My name is Megan Smalley, and I'm with Recycling Today magazine. Welcome to the Fresh Perspective podcast. I'm here today with Jocelyn Doucette, who is the co-founder of PyroWave. Jocelyn received a PhD in chemical engineering from Polytechnique Montreal, where he had been an adjunct professor since 2011. As part of his education, he and a team of researchers developed a technology that uses microwaves to break down molecules into their original components. That then led to PyroWave, which launched in 2014. The company has offices in Quebec and Ontario and is focused on recycling post-consumer and post-industrial plastics using its microwave-based chemical recycling technology. Thanks for coming on the show today, Jocelyn. Thanks for the invite. So, to start things off, what made you interested in the recycling industry to begin with? Well, that's an interesting question. As a, as a chemical engineer, I think we're, you know, we're playing with chemistry, we're playing with molecules, we're playing with, with resources, and so we're well aware that resources are, are important, and, and I was always driven by resource efficiency. So we hear a lot about energy efficiency, that's, that's what a lot of people are thrilled about, but um, I'm more interested about how do we use our resources more efficiently. And and I thought about 10 years ago that, you know, plastic recycling was probably a very interesting area to work in, um, as we could see more, more and more plastic waste piling all over our our beaches and the ocean and whatnot. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was just about resource efficiency and how to be more efficient with everything we extract from our, from our soil and ground and, and you know, that's what drives me. Got it. And so you're the co-founder and CEO of PyroWave. When and why did you decide to start that venture? Prior to PyroWave, I was so I, I was always an entrepreneur. So I had my first company before, and I was pretty involved in consulting and innovation. And my focus was really in um, all about you know developing processes and scaling up processes. And uh, at some point in my career, we had a lot of inquiries about people concerned about how to do something about their waste. And so we were, you know, doing various works in bioprocesses, fermentation and whatnot. And, and at some point we had, you know, questions about plastic and waste in general. And, you know, I got involved in it and started doing a little bit of lab work and pilot work. And then, you know, you start putting a little bit of money in and then you end up needing more money and then you raise more money and then you get caught in this kind of circle. And, and so that's just how things have uh, have evolved, and so you get you start in the business by just putting it first hand in, and then you get pulled by the whole thing, and then ten years later you have something that works. So that's pretty much how it started. Got it. And when did you know that the company was going to work? Because you mentioned that ten years ago, starting it, you were just kind of investing in it, seeing if it would mature at all. Yeah, well, that, that's a that's an ongoing question whether you you know if the company is going to succeed. I mean, you never really know if it's going to succeed until. Um, you make it work. But um, I thought that the problem was important enough uh, that no matter what happens, if you're able to fix the problem, then uh, you'll have a successful business. I think that's uh, that's a, a general assumption that um, you know if you if you target a very a big enough problem that's important enough, and 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 you just put all your energy and effort to to make it work, then uh, you you know you can't go wrong. So I, I was always sure that the problem was good and interesting enough that. I never had any doubts that the company would be successful. Like at some point, I thought it would be almost impossible to to get it funded or to to overcome some technical issues. But at the end of the day, you always kind of grab onto this importance of the problem, and then you you can make it through. And at some point, 
you end up having something that works. So you never really know until until you get to the point where you have products coming out of your process. But uh, but we had faith, so that that's that's the most important element. Got it. And who did you partner with when you were starting the company? Was it just other researchers at the university? Well, when you start, you don't have anything. You just have an idea, and then you have um, you know a plan in your head that is not going to happen the way you thought initially. But uh, so you have to find crazy people like you to to jump in and believe that there's something at the end of the of the journey. And so the guy who partnered with me initially is uh, Jean-Philippe. So he's my co-founder. He was also uh, doing his PhD at Polytechnique at the time. And he worked for a long time at uh, Rolls-Royce, the, the energy company has now been acquired by Siemens. And, uh, you know, he wanted to get some challenge. And I said, well, if you want to get some interesting challenge, perhaps, uh, you know, you come with me and then we start this thing. And I can't say he regrets anything. I mean, he has, he's got enough challenges to keep him busy for 10 years. But, yeah, I mean, you need to have someone that's crazy enough that believes in, in the science of what you're trying to do, that he believes in, in the problem as well. And, and we've made a successful couple for almost 10 years. Got it. So tell me a little bit more about Pyroid. What kinds of plastics are you recycling and what end markets are you trying to serve? Yeah, PowerWave is, first of all, it's a technology platform. Um, so we are probably the only ones in the world that are able to use microwave technology at industrial scale for chemical productions. So you can, like most of your listeners may have heard of microwave drying or other types of applications, but being able to use microwave technology for chemical production, that's rather new. There's a lot of people who've done it at the lab scale, and, um, you know, the interesting about microwaves is that they have specific and unique features that are, you know, they trigger specific cool things in chemistry that, you know, improves selectivity and yields and, and quality of product. But nobody has really been able to really scale it to the industrial level. And so this is really the primary achievement of PowerWay. Like, we have this first microwave industrial scale platform that can be applied to production of chemical. And the first segment that we essentially deployed it um, onto is, is uh, plastic recycling. And the one that really works well, very well, is depolymerization of polystyrene into styrene monomer. And the reason why we started focusing on this one is because it's a rather high-value commodity uh, that you get out of this process. So styrene monomer is a pretty well-priced um, chemical. And so we thought we not only have a good technical bench case to prove our technology, but we also have a good, valid, um, you know, uh, financial or economical bench case to prove that it can also be economical to, to apply this kind of technology for, for plastic recycling. Got it. Now, so could you explain a little bit more about, you know, microwave-based chemical recycling? Well, what does that mean exactly? So, yeah, to, to just maybe start from a high level, like one of the issues, like one of the reasons we decided to work on plastic recycling and apply our microwave platform to plastic recycling is because we kind of we kind of felt that the main issue with plastic recycling is the lack of market. So if you take um, a used post-consumer packaging and, you know, you clean it and, you know, you cut it and you shred it, the accessible market for that material is definitely smaller than the one for virgin material because, you know, it's been used, it's been compounded with other additives and colors and pigments, so it's not equally 
valuable as the virgin raw material because it's been already put into a certain shape and into a certain application. So we thought that maybe you need to go one step back just before it was it was put in that shape or that kind of compounding uh, stage. And uh, the way to get it back one step before is to get it back to its root chemical. And, you know, understanding how polymers are made, it's essentially an assembly of smaller molecules that, that, that are called monomers, and you put all the monomers together and they form polymers. And so if you're able to cut them back into the monomer stage, then you're able to reassemble them in so many different ways that you are recovering the full value of, of the chemical in the first place. Now, what's unique about microwaves is that, um, you know, it's a thermal process. So essentially you break these monomers by the action of heat. Um, so you have a lot of different processes that are doing that called pyrolysis, and, um, you know, they have their pros and cons. But here with the microwaves, we're able to very, we're able to really target only the bonds that we want to break. So we're able to be very selective on how we cut the chain. And so it's like a surgery, um, you know, application. So we're really surgical in a way we cut the molecular chains and we're able to recover more of the high value products than other, let's say, more conventional technologies like pyrolysis or gasification, for example. Got it. So just to make it clear, so pyrowaves technology is not just chemical recycling, not pyrolysis, what people traditionally think of when they think chemical recycling. It's a little bit different and more unique. Yeah, pyrolysis is a broad term. Like, I don't even know what it means. Like, it's, a, it's such a general term. Pyrolysis means breaking under the action of heat. And so, therefore, there's a wide number of chemical reactions that, that you can put in that bin where you break you know, the bonds under the action of heat. Um, you know, what traditionally people refer as to chemical recycling is that you take something, you heat it up under a big kettle, and then you put a fire under a kettle, and then you heat up the whole thing, and you have what you call a random scission. So you break the molecules randomly because everything is at such a high temperature that you have such a molecular agitation that all the molecules are breaking down randomly. That's why you call it random scission. Uh, here with the microwave reaction is what we call um, chain incision, meaning that um, it's not just the molecule, you know, moving randomly that breaks apart. It's we target very specifically at the en at the end of the chain. That's where we break the molecules. Got it. Now, so I've heard some people in the industry say chemical recycling isn't quite ready to be scaled up for commercial applications. What are your thoughts on that, and where do you see chemical recycling technology heading? Yeah, that's a very good question. That's a very good observation. That that's in in fact what what we also see. I think that was true. I think uh, there there are a lot of um, innovations coming along, and I see more and more coming, uh, especially because of public pressure. I think that people are getting more aware that that there is a real issue, and I think it's because we've you know in all the history of polymer making, I think we've never done we've never manufactured as much polymer as right now. So it's probably why we see so much awareness around the problem because we, we've never produced so much plastic then right now. So is it, 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 so in terms of scaling up these technologies, like the one thing we have to keep in mind, and that's what I keep telling the chemical industry as well, like it took a lot of time to develop you know, polymer making in the first place. So, you know, starting from that lab conception of, you know, what these polymers are and then scaling up production of these polymers took, you know, multiple decades. 
uh, to be able to get to this massive production scale. Now, expecting to do the reverse, meaning turning that post-consumer polymer into something useful, will take at least the same amount of time, right? Because uh, you know you, you have to rework somehow a new set of processes that will return it into something a virgin or equivalent to virgin. But it's also more complicated to do the reverse path than going from something that's rather homogeneous, like a natural gas or a crude oil that will make polymer in the first place, because now we have to take a mixture of different types of polymer, and so it's, it's much more complicated to deal with than you know, dealing with a pure stream of natural gas. And, and, and so you have all this complexity that, that is also adding up to that, to that reverse action of you know, how do you convert polymer back into something useful. So I think we have to be realistic in terms of, you know, our expectations and how much time you need to be able to scale these technologies. And we can't expect that an industry that took maybe a century to scale up and integrate all the way from the crude oil well to the market uh, will be able to do that in 10 years. So you need time to be able to catch up and be able to to match uh, the massive, you know, economies of scale and and scale up that the industry has done in the first place. Now, after that, I think there's other aspects of chemical recycling. Like there, are, like I said, there are like first-generation chemical recycling technologies, like like I said, like plastic to fuel or plastic to uh, plastic to energy. Um, that's something that was pretty popular in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and then because of the price of oil going up and down, it was not a sustainable business to be in. So you kind of see now more, uh, I would say, second-generation chemical recycling technologies where people are saying, okay, well, we'll convert it into chemical blocks that can be retrofitted into the production of virgin-equivalent chemicals. And so you see, you know, plastic to NAFTA route, where, where they convert it into NAFTA and then they feed it into a cracker. Um, I think that's that's a big step, like to return it into a NAFTA that's pretty much like returning it up to the level of, of crude oil or, or, or natural gas. Like there's a big gap from where you start all the way up to the to the energy chain. Uh, and there are technologies like us where we try to be a little bit smoother on the depolymerization process where you try to keep the structure of the monomer intact uh, because making the monomer is what is energy intensive in, in most of these processes. Um, so, you know, they're a bit more gentle, a bit more sophisticated processes. Um, so it takes time to scale up these processes. But, like, I can speak for ourselves. Like, for PowerWave, we, we took about 10 years to scale up this process. Uh, but now it's robust, it's working, and we're you know, getting into the market next year. So we have partners that are signing with us to get this platform up and running at commercial scale. Um, and so it's, it's happening. So I think people have set a lot of expectations in terms of what chemical recycling can deliver. There's a lot of skepticism about whether this is going to happen, which is totally understandable because in the past, a lot of people had very high promises about that. Uh, but I think you'll see in the coming years, maybe in the next two or five years, you'll see some of these technologies come up to market. Some will succeed. Some other will be maybe left behind. But I think the success criteria here is whether you're able to make good product of good value and being essentially energy efficient in terms of, of carbon emission. If you're able to use electricity or renewable energy, I think that will be the key driver for, for the winning solutions in the future. And this is what we do. Like we take um, electricity um, as, a power, as a way to power our process 
and essentially it means that you can use renewable energy to, to make the same product. So you mentioned, you know, PyroWave is looking to scale up next year. So are you able to talk about your goals for the next few years and the company's goals for the next couple of years here? Right. Uh, we're already operating at full scale right now. So we have our operating plant right now running at full scale. And, um, you know, our technology is modular. So basically we just add more of the units to increase the capacity. And so uh, next year our plan is that we'll have a first commercial skid, let's put it that way, that will be put and operated at a real facility. So we'll make some announcements in the fall about that. And then we have other skids in, in, other, um, in other countries as well that will be announced later as well this year. So things are moving pretty fast. We see a lot of traction in the industry. I think uh, serious companies are really understanding how under pressure this industry is to find solution to to increase the recycled content into their version product. And I think that's why there, there are a lot of high expectations about the use of you know, applications of chemical recycling because we're able to make products that are identical to what they do in the first place. Like the styrene we make with our technology is identical to virgin styrene. And so it's very easy to convert and, and you know, add this recycled styrene into the production of their standard product. And, and so in terms of our next years, like we see uh, three major projects coming in the pipe for the next two or three years, and then we have additional projects coming along um, for the next uh, three to five years. Um, again, our, our business model is also very light in the sense that we're not, like most other chemical recycling projects, we're not design, build, operate. We're more of a licensing and OEM company, so we sell core you know, the core reactor platform, that's what we sell to our customer, and we license the process and the application of that technology in a specific configuration at our customer's site. So for us, it's somehow capital light, um, and it's also fast for us to scale and deploy many different projects at the same time because we're not having to design and build each individual plants. Uh, it's our customers that are doing that for us, and they essentially integrate our process as part of their current operations. Uh, so we believe that we have a, a much more scalable business model than uh, most of the other chemical recycling um, technology companies where they do design, build, and most of the time operate as well uh, the technology. So plastics markets have been a little bit challenging, it seems, this year. So Based on what you've been saying, what have supply and demand situations been like for plastic scrap, and how are you working through those situations? I think demand for plastic will stay, and it will, I mean, there's a lot of forecasts that prove that, um, you know, in the next 25, 30 years, the demand will go up to a billion ton a year, and we're at about 300 million ton a year right now, so that's essentially a threefold increase in, in, in what we're consuming right now. So if we have a problem right now with plastic waste, it will be three or three, uh, three and a half times more important in the future. So we really need to address that. So it's either, you know, we reduce our consumption, and I, I, I do believe there, there are ways that we should probably look into reducing our consumption of plastic material. There are applications where even if you have the best recycling technologies, you are not able to pick it up. Uh, I'm talking about like single-use items, like small items, like forks, cutlery, um, you know, lids, uh, coffee lids. Even if you have the best recycling technology for that, it will not be able to make its way through uh, the sorting, the collection, and you will not 
be able to decompose and, and re recycle it chemically. So I think we do have to revisit our you know, relationship with polymer material in, in, in specific applications. But there are always going to be a need for polymer in some other applications where the benefits are definitely better than um, uh, the negative impacts. And I'm talking about like durable goods or chemical, um, like uh, let's say uh, bleach uh, jars or things like that. So you need to have material that's able to resist uh, chemical or resist time and be able to be durable enough. Um, and for that, you'll need to have technologies in place to be able to recycle it. You know, talking about that, like the one challenge that we all face in, you know, this emerging um, sector of chemical recycling is access to feedstock. You know, you don't have this issue much with the virgin material because virgin material production, they usually start from natural gas or crude oil. And most of the time, the ones that are making the polymers are also owning the crude oil well. And so they are very well integrated for about... 75 years, they've been integrating vertically, so they've been able to um, control the whole value chain. And um, they have a raw material that's pretty homogenous in time, um, and so they are able to control every aspect of synthesis and manufacturing. Now, um, here in the case of chemical recycling, you know, the raw material is everywhere, and uh, it's pretty difficult to be able to compete in terms of cost with crude oil or natural gas extraction, uh, which is located at a single location, and you can put it in a pipeline and get it into a big-scale refinery to extract your chemicals, whereby when you do chemical recycling, you need to source plastic waste from door to door uh, by truck, and, and the, you know, the sorting facilities are nowhere at the scale of a chemical refinery. And so you don't have the same economies of scale, and you don't have the same a systematic way of collecting and transporting the material as efficiently as you have it with raw material or virgin material. So you will always have a systematic difference in the way, you know, the cost structure will be in the recycling world compared to the virgin world. And so we believe that, uh, you know, the demand for recycled content should be the, the driver for this new economy. If we do have uh, regulation for minimum recycled content in virgin material, then you will be able to you know, create demand for recycled material, and therefore you'll be able to you know, get the price up for recycled material, and therefore being able to pay more for that systematic difference in the way you're um, extracting and transporting the raw material for the recycling chemical recycling industry. And so there is a need for you know, government action here where policies and regulation supports you know, integration of recycled content in new products because then, only then, you will switch you know, the KPIs for big brands and, and, and purchasers and those big organizations. Instead of looking for a low cost for packaging material, they will be looking for all of the recycled material out there, and then, therefore, they will be driven to secure uh, the procurement of all the recycled material out there no matter what the price is. And you will be, only then, uh, you'll be able to to cover the cost for, for making these chemicals in the first place. Um, so I think that's that's the big challenge for the next, 10, the next 10 years, and I think there is government action that can be done, um, and I think most of the industry actors are positive to that because um, chemical industry will be able to sell the same product but with a recycled tag on it at a much higher price. Um, 
and consumer will feel that um, their favorite brands are actually taking lead action and being more sustainable. And, and only then you will be able to really foster this new economy and this new um, technology ecosystem that will be able to scale up and, you know, in the long term, be able to reduce its cost and be even more com- cost competitive uh, with virgin production. Got it. And as a final question, what would you say are some of the biggest issues you think the recycling industry needs to tackle and look at? Yeah, there there are essentially three elements I think um, are the biggest issues. One of them is the price of the raw material and access to the raw material. I think no matter what, this is a new value chain that has to be developed. Um, We have never seen that before. Like people... Like the amount of material that we need to convey and collect and sort, um, we have never done that. So we need to really put that new infrastructure in place. It's not in place yet. It's, it's going to be capital intensive, but you know you need to put this infrastructure there so you're able to get access to the raw material, to the plastic waste, and be able to process it at a price competitive um, cost. Uh, the other one is um, you know the handling of the material. Like I said, you know, natural gas and crude oil, that's easy. You put it in the pipeline, and then you get it to a refinery, and you get all the chemicals you want to make all the products you want. Um, but here, uh, it's not natural gas we have. It's plastic waste, and you, can't, you cannot pipeline a plastic waste. You have to put it in a truck, and these trucks go from door to door, and they have to go to uh, you know, a sorting facility that acts like a refinery, but nowhere with the scale of the refinery. So, so the handling of that material has to be, you know, thought over, and I, I think that that's an important element. And the third element is, like I said, is the effect of scale. Like, we're just starting uh, this new industry. Uh, you know, chemical industry has been having 100 years of, 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 of scaling opportunities. As they've been scaling their operations and optimizing and integrating their operations. As they've been integrating the whole value chain over 100 years. Um, so now we have to start doing the same thing with a new value chain, not starting from crude oil or natural gas, but starting from raw material that, uh, that's plastic waste. Um, if you look at a recycling facility right now, a 50,000 ton a year plastic recycling facility, that's a big facility. Um, and a refinery is about 100,000 barrel per day, which is 5 million ton a year. So you have a two orders of magnitude in scale between what the petrochemical industry is doing and what the recycling industry is doing. And so only when you will be able to scale that up a little bit more, then you'll start being more competitive. So I think these are three important aspects. And I think um, you know, strong regulation and policy can only you know, leverage um, and, and put everyone on the same level because otherwise um, if one company does it and the other company does, doesn't do it, then you'll, you'll see a price difference at the consumer level. But if, if it's a regulation or if it's a policy across the country or across the continent, then everybody's laying on the same rules. Then only then people will move all together in one direction. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today, Jocelyn. Well, thank you so much for your um, questions. And I'm always uh, pleased to talk more about recycling.